Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. We are the podcast that takes you behind the audition room doors and shares with you anonymous tales from behind the curtains and basically those times at auditions where it goes wrong, <laughs> where something doesn't quite go right, it all falls apart, you embarrass yourself or let something ride through your day that just derails all of your plans. It's a really fun podcast. We have a lovely time. And remember that we are all in the same boat and it happens to all of us. And it's not a big deal. Heard those words before. My name is Christopher Butler-Wolford. I am your host. And each week, a guest from the world of entertainment joins me to go through our listener email submissions for the week. And this week is a really unique episode. My guest is actor JJ Green. Now, he is an actor who lives with autism, and he joins me to describe those times in his casting situation life where it could have been made easier, and all of us in the industry can make things a lot easier for people with that condition and who live on the spectrum, because there's many different ways of living with it. So it's a really interesting conversation. He's also written a play based around his experiences uh, as an autistic performer, and we talk a lot about that and why he's done it and what his turn to the casting world for his own work is going to be like it's a really interesting chat in depth a little bit different to how we normally do things but it was a very important thing for us to talk about and i had a really good time and we all learned a lot so hopefully you'll enjoy yourselves make sure you tweet us as you listen at don't call us pod share this episode as far as you can uh, hopefully we all learn something i know i did um but yeah, let's let's get to the podcast. There's some really funny stories in here as well. Some lovely, lovely listener confessions. Uh, and also we throw back to last week's episode where one of our stories was JJ's. So buckle up. It's a good one. We start every episode with the same question and we ask our guests, what do auditions mean to them? Here's JJ. I do really enjoy them. The lead up to auditions is always something that is really, really exciting for me. And I really enjoy getting the idea of an opportunity. So I'm super excited and I'm always really ready for it. I over prepare, if anything. I'm super focused on everything that I'm supposed to do from what time I'm supposed to be there. I'm completely memorized and ready. And then I wake up the morning of the audition and I feel like hell. I'm just so overwhelmed <laughs> with anxiety and things like that. And by the time I get to the audition, I'm trying to just hold myself together. So overall, it's kind of a mix of the two. I love going to auditions and they super excite me. But by the time the audition actually rolls around in the morning, I'm just dreading every second of terror. it and just have to go in there. <laughs> yeah, absolute terror of um, I have to stand in front of these people. Am I wearing the right thing? Is my headshot looking good? Have I remembered everything? Um, so, yeah, so it's that complete combo of the two, really. And then you get in there and realise you're a week early, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, something like that, something like that. I've, to um, no, I've told my do... story of turning up a month early on this podcast a couple of times now, but that wasn't my fault. That I wasn't my fault. <laughs> I haven't done that one just yet, but it will ha I'm sure it'll happen. You know, it'll, it will happen at some point. Oh, no, the, the thing is, going forward, what will happen now is that we turn up and they're not bloody happening because they've been cancelled and we haven't been told or something. That's going to be it. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. So what I'm always there three hours early anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> what leads you to overthink it then? Do you think it's that you're really excited about it? Do you think it's that you care I think I always had that when I cared about it. I almost pushed myself into a, a more pressure than I necessarily needed to put myself under. 
Yeah, I think it's because I generally care so much about what I, what I want to do and what I know that I can bring to um, a casting director that I let it get in my head a little bit too much and I let it overwhelm me more than it needs to because um, the casting director can see that you care just by being there and, and the work that you provide for them on the day. But because it means so much to me and doing a good job means so much to me, I am a serial perfectionist in every sense of the word <laughs> that I can't do something unless I do it perfectly. Um, so it's that sort of pressure that I entirely put on myself, even if the audition is the most comforting, lovely environment, I'm still putting so much pressure on myself. They don't need to put any pressure on me because I'll just do it all myself <laughs> without that help. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> I've got this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't need to stress me out any more than I already have. <laughs> it's so strange, isn't it? Like, obviously, they're pressure situations because, they, you know, they have a lot of riding line. And we've gone over this so many times on the show. But I thought of it the other day. And if you were going for an interview for a nine to five job, which obviously one wants. And at the moment, one, one wants a job a lot more than others, other, other mm. times in your lives. But I wonder if like a plumber go in for an interview i don't know for a plumbing job you can see my lack of knowledge on this subject coming <laughs> to very clearly do they do they have the same like stresses i i wonder well, I what it know. is that i wonder what it is that makes i know if a... i was going to be um i know that if i was going to be a plumber then i would be very very nervous about that <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't be very happy about that so i'd be nervous for the sewage system that i was going to fix if i was the plumber and they were turning up goodness me exactly that <laughs> i wonder what it is about our industry that obviously it's because we're in it feels like we put way 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 more pressure on ourselves than anything else i wonder why i know there's obviously pressure you know if you're a banker we do lots of maybe there's a you know a high monetary value on your your role that you're doing then that can come with a, a, a an element of that but i wonder what it is about a creative industry that puts unnecessary extra weight on the job you know and i suppose part of it must be that we know how many people are like visibly can see how many people are fighting against us you know if you go into an audition oh what call it audition if you go into an interview process for like an office job you very rarely cross paths with more than one or two people so i wonder why the creative side of you know the job interview process auditions being that i wonder why we're the ones that, that panic and stress so much i wonder why it's i think i think it's because so much of it is us isn't it it's our soul mm. it's what we're bringing forward it's honesty um we're not just going in there with the resume saying i've worked doing xyz we know that so much of this process is going to be based on what we look like how we sound how we move Very true. and how we communicate so i think that a lot of it comes down to self-conscious issues of was I good enough? Because I've just brought my inherent honesty to this role or to this job. And I've just done my my absolute best coming from myself as a creative. So I think that it's a personal process a lot more than perhaps a normal job interview would be. Also, very good at fixing taps. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I laugh because I've been without hot water for two weeks now. Let's not get into that conversation. Oh, don't, wow. just don't, wow. just don't. What a farce. 
It's not like they're not, you know, it's not like they're taking thousands of pounds off. I say, like, oh, hang on. Anyway, I'll get into that. <laughs> so what's, when it comes to auditions, how how does your condition affect you in that situation then? Um, I think that being on the autistic spectrum and having Asperger's syndrome does make auditions a little bit harder in some regards because we do overanalyze things and we do see a lot further ahead of ourselves than perhaps most people would. We like to plan. We like to make sure that we're feeling at our most comfortable every day, no matter what we're doing. But in an audition situation, it's that unknown element. We don't really do very well with that unknown element because we work a lot in certainty and uncertainty we're very binary as people if um if there's a time for something we will make sure that we're there at that time and all those sorts of things so when you're at an audition and you don't really know what's behind that door what you're about to walk into i think that causes a little bit of extra stress that perhaps most people would just pass over as part of the process but for us, that mystery element of auditions does cause quite an overwhelming sensation, quite quite overwhelms us a lot, really. Um, and I think that a lot of um, actors that I've spoken to, like myself, who've got the same condition that I have, have said that the waiting period tends to be hellish for us as well. Yeah. It's that sort of, the um, maybe is not really a phrase that we do very well because it's sort of a gray area of it could be a yes and it could be a no whereas we deal with absolutes all of the time um and i speak for myself but on this part but i'm sure that there will be people like myself who agree with me um we would prefer a no right there on the spot than have to wait <laughs> and never hear i think but everyone would everyone would prefer can't that <laughs> always be achieved yeah i mean yeah. a, a yes would be better sort of um <laughs> On it. I think that's a really good uh, from I know I know a little bit, but this is why I wanted to speak to you to kind of be much clearer on it. That's a really useful phrase for anyone who doesn't necessarily understand what it would be like uh, to be in your position or people like you in your position. You you need those definites. I think that's a really good Absolutely. way of looking at it. Not not because you demand them, just because it's clear. It's 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 mm. fact. It's literally black and white. So that helps you just yeah. either move on or stay attached to something that you need to stay attached to. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, as, as an actor coming into this industry, I know what I'm up against. So I'm expecting it and I'm absolutely fine. But that is the process. And nine times out of 10, that's how the process has to work. Um, but that is a difficulty. That is an extra difficulty that just perhaps just needs highlighting for people just to know that um, when something is as uncertain as it is, we do churn it over a lot more than most people would. And a lot of my friends and family always say to me, well, just shut off from it now. And that just isn't possible. You keep mm. it whirring um kind of like a washing machine on a spin cycle <laughs> constantly um, and for me the wait periods between finishing an audition and actually um hearing about getting the job or not isn't that bad it's when you never hear anything that's the real because we we can't detach and make that separation or certainly i can't i don't want to speak for everybody that um having not heard for something for six months probably means that you've not gotten that job um, but that's very difficult for us to process because we do deal in absolute figures and and um, everything's always certain. Absolute. I like that. You need absolution on things. 
We do, we do. But as I said, I do understand, which I think is really important for me to highlight, that the industry that I'm in, you can't always have that. But if there's a way to make that a little bit easier, then we would be all over it, or at least I would. How would the relationship between a client and an agent improve that situation then? Is there a way that in general, as, as an agent myself, I could help a client that was in your position with accessibility to auditions and con convey those kind of needs to a casting team from my point of view, helping you out, like in the very first instance? How would I go about that then? Um, I think, well, first of all, first and foremost, it's having a discussion with the client. If you are aware that the client is on the autistic spectrum in any regard as to whether or not that is something that they wish the casting directing team to know about, because that is entirely their decision. I am very much of the belief that if I'm putting myself up for an audition or I have an agent and we've discussed all of the things that um, I would and wouldn't do, that it's entirely up to me whether or not that information is given to a casting director. Because if I'm putting myself forward for a job or an agent's putting me forward for a job that we've discussed, then I know I can do it. But um, communication is key. Always, yeah. always the, the communication with anybody who is on the autistic spectrum in any regard always communicate as best as you possibly can um whether or not that's emails and make sure that when you do so it is in absolute certainties and i don't mean in terms of events i just mean in phrasing in the way that that, that communication is is had that everything has to be clear not so much certain but just very clear very laid out and less is more sometimes less information Concise down is more information to That's us so that we don't lose the key points. Um, the key points of this is where you need to be. This is what you need to do. Do you know what? It doesn't need to be flowered up too much. So not over explaining a situation then, giving you literally the points that you absolutely need to. Yeah, um, I can't be for everyone on the spectrum, but certainly with Asperger's, the more direct, the better. If you are forward with somebody and tell them exactly what it is that you want from them, exactly what it is that they have to do, they're going to understand that really well. One of the things that I like to always reference when I'm talking about this is the could you, would you that people use in everyday sentences. For example, could you, uh, could you take the bins out for me? That implies a possibility because it's a could. It's asking me if I'm capable of taking the bins out for you. But would you or will you is a direct request. You are directly telling that person to take the bins out and then I'll do it for you, no problem at all. But if you put like, could you possibly do this? That sort of implies a, are you capable of it? Is it possible for you? Not will you do this or you are going to be doing this? Does, does that make sense? It's a very... I suppose it's because, you know, like I said, I don't know. I don't know enough. That's why I want to talk to you about it. But I suppose it, it it takes the meaning of a word at a very literal sense, doesn't it? In a phrase, in a yeah. phrase such as that. And if that's just how you're set up because of Asperger's, then that's a really useful thing to know for people like I who can help you with that. So that's really interesting. Absolutely. I think that we we come up against a lot, and I've had this speaking to a lot of people who have the same condition as me and on the autistic spectrum, with most people in society feel that direct communication is rude or blunt. And 
we're used to and conditioned in society to sort of flower up everything and make it very fanciful. Um, and for us, that just means that the information gets lost. And there's always a complaint that sometimes people with Asperger's syndrome or other autistic tendencies can be rude or come over aggressive. But that's just because we're just communicating in, in the certainty, in the literal sense of what we're trying to ask to be done. We'll be polite, but very direct. And that's how we receive communication as well. Um, yeah. That's how we will understand what is being asked of us best. So that would be how I would say that communication is absolutely the most important thing because just in sentences we can lose information and that can be the difference for an actor an agent in a successful audition or a non-successful audition yeah all of this is really useful to know directly from someone who experiences it to somebody who may not have even cast their mind over it and that's the whole point of why representation and accessibility at auditions it just needs to be washed and started again. It needs to be washed away and started again. Mm -hmm. You need to start properly. And if when I'm casting things, I can think of things like that, then that's great. It's just different. It's just sort of adapting to the different. It's um, everybody. I'm fully under the belief system that there are so many people in this industry who are so capable of all roles, but it's just going about it in a slightly different way for that person. As I said, one sentence makes the world of difference. Yeah. Um, which is why I decided to be open and honest about having this condition, because I think that it will benefit me in order for people to know that. And of course, we will come up against people, as we do in all walks of life, that won't bend. But there will be people that will and that will be willing to just adapt, as I've said, just a tiny weeny little bit that would make all the world of difference. Um, so that I'm not swimming more upstream and we're not swimming more yeah. upstream than we need to be. Obviously, on the show, we like to share listener audition stories and times where it didn't quite go, <laughs> it didn't quite go to plan. Um, <laughs> I've got a few for you here. Uh, first, oh, I, I really want to tell you this one because it's so easy. It's so simple. We must all have been there. As a, as a reminder, every story that you hear on Don't Call Us, We'll Call You They've been submitted by somebody listening to the show or finding us online or Twitter, anything like that. They are true stories. They've happened. We, Unless they want us to tell you the production that it was for, we've taken that away and anonymized them so they can't be identified because they don't want to be. But, they, oh, this is perfect. Are you ready? I am so ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's so, it's so simple it's so this isn't even that funny but it just is funny i love it this actor writes in i've had this so many times i love it i once had an audition for a company i'd wanted to work with for years when i was in the waiting room which was quite small cold and echoey the director and producer came out to look at the waiting list all was silent so i went to sit down but whilst I did, I accidentally let out the biggest fart imaginable. It seemed to echo for far longer than it should have. Nobody said anything. And I didn't get the oh, job. Oh, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a classic. Wow. It is a classic. Because it's, well, oh, we've all. That they could, 
<laughs> at least they knew they could project well. I, well I don't know oh they... dear, <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to over project if it's what. Never mind. Good uh... <laughs> acoustics. I don't know what. I don't know. There's got to be a positive in there somewhere. Oh, dear. Well, the positive is that you weren't in pain anymore. I don't know. Oh, it's. <laughs> It's so silly. It's just a, it's just a little bit of wind, a little bit of nervous energy. But to know, yeah, and the thing nerves. is, every single one of us can visualize that room. The cold, it's white walls, it's concrete. Maybe yeah. there's an exposed pipe coming through the roof or something. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so I'm stupid. I'm just imagining someone sat next to them just sort of slowly shuffling away after that yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or hoping that hope, hoping that they were the next person called in just to get away. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow, that is great, isn't That's, it? That's that is the level of our show. <laughs> what about you then? Tell me of a time where a casting hasn't gone your way because of something that happened on the day. When you when you we were speaking over email, you said I've got loads. <laughs> Tell, tell me of a time that you yeah. that you had an audition cause you issues let's say not like farty issues we've, we've covered that one <laughs> unless they were i don't know <laughs> they might have been uh, no 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 they weren't um <laughs> well <laughs> there's the there's the classic story of when i managed to walk into a wall ah Can yes now, that one this so this this is a story that we told on last week's episode with Dan Curtis, and I'm going to put that story in right now. Essentially, I was going to a major theme park open casting call at Pineapple. I was incredibly flustered about the whole thing as it was my first ever in-person audition in front of a panel. I had all the must-haves for a first audition. You know, the character shoes, the overly tight-fitting workout top the unattractive yet movable jogging pants, essentially looking like a guy at his first date at a gym. I got there hours too early, and as the audition was in the winter, I froze myself to the front step of Pineapple as actual dancers looked down on me like some sort of extra in Lycra from the Tour de France. <laughs> Finally, I went in for the audition, all 37,000 of us or however many it was, filled in my little papers and tried to bring the sparkle and not vomit through the overly cheery, sparkling camp monologue given by the casting director. We all learned the movement combo and went outside to wait in the small pineapple cafe, crammed in like desperate sardines who knew all the words to one day more, trying to embody our best major theme park prince or princess. My number was called. I walk smack into the doorframe and knock myself out. But because this is a one-shot deal, I get up and I keep going. I start standing on my spot and I notice my nose is slightly dripping. I wipe it. It's blood. But do I excuse myself? Do I, heck. I keep going. 18, desperate and looking like an extra from Carrie. As nobody noticed, I carried on with my movement routine, spraying blood around the dance floor. Like the exorcist's older brother, he says. Murder on the dance floor should have been the movement piece. Once over, I ran from the room and cleaned myself up, only to get the job. I guess sometimes wow. it pays to do an audition bleeding and concussed. <laughs> so how? How? Just how? Just how? How did you manage? How did, how did you manage to knock yourself out like that? How did you manage um, to... To, I mean, you didn't actually knock yourself out. I should say that, but no, I didn't. How did you manage to do it? How do you? 
talk me but through was, the day. Talk, a, talk me through it, it was, again. I was just very, I was trying to think of a million things at once. I was surrounded by a lot of people in an open call audition in a relatively small space. And the casting directors were doing their best to see all of the people that were there that day. So naturally, we were queuing up the stairs and we were crammed into um, a small area. And when it was, it was just about to be my turn to go in with my group of people to perform the movement combination for the audition. And we were just at the doorway and the door was propped open and someone said something to me behind me. And I turned my head to communicate oh, with them no. behind me. And then I stepped forward and just didn't realize that the person in front of me had unpropped the door. So no. the door had closed. Oh, and I no. just walked back into it. And it was one of those really heavy fire doors yeah. with sort of glass in them. And I just went smack. But because it was right before my audition, I just had to, they had already gone in. So I was, it was seconds before I had to open the door and go and stand on my mark. So I didn't realize at the time <laughs> that I was about to have a nosebleed. And it just started as I started to do the movement combination. Yeah. And it was no, not, no, no, no. not pretty. It really wasn't. <laughs> I just, I really feel for you. <laughs> it made me laugh. But I really, really feel for you because you're absolutely right. If... If it had happened, obviously we don't want it to happen, but if that had happened like five minutes before, even a minute before you could have gone, oh my God, can you see someone else? I'll come in next. But you've then yeah. got to go in and sing or speak or whatever. A nosebleed is, you know, hitting your face is hard to help. <laughs> nah, 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 talk like that. But it's, I, I just commend yeah. you for carrying on. I mean, on, on reflection, maybe you shouldn't have. But I commend you oh, for no. carrying on. I was also just a point. I was like 18 years old at the time. Very naive. Was not very aware of the the ins and outs of the audition process. You probably shouldn't do it covered in blood, looking like Carrie. You just shouldn't do it. But I thought if I tell them that I need to walk away now, they're not going to see me for this opportunity. So I'm just going to crack on and do it. And <laughs> that was my mistake. I mean, it worked because I did get that job in the end. But yes, we um, should we we should just remind everybody that that you did get the job, so all of this is irrelevant. I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was still embarrassing, and then to have everybody else surrounding me, sort of asking me at the end, like, "Are you okay?" Like, like you know, some girl was giving me wet wipes and all sorts of things. And then the most humiliating part of it all, really, was that when I went and did that job, there was people who were present at that audition working on the in the company because they all knew about it before we even got there <laughs> a broken nosium fixendium uh... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't good at all oh but hey you got a wonderful anecdote out of it okay i did absolutely <laughs> <laughs> apart from facial injuries has there been another time in your audition career where it's the day has just fallen apart because of something that happened in the room, something you let yourself overthink. Tell me about another yeah. time. I did a drama school audition um, a very long time ago now while I was right. still in college. This is this is what we like, throwing it back to these drama school <laughs> auditions because this is when we when we started this show, right? 
I'd completely forgotten about this type of audition. And we have had some brilliant ones in. So I, ca- I cannot wait to hear this. And so I got there and everything was fantastic. And I did my singing first and it went so well. I was so pleased with it that I was just buzzing. And I could not wait to do the movement call at all. Well, the dance call. Um, I was just so excited. And so I went upstairs with everybody else got ready did the warm-up everything was going so 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 great now this kind of actually relates a little bit to um, what i was talking about earlier with asperger's syndrome um a lot of information at one time can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming and when an audition is a lot of people and it's very fast paced that can be very overwhelming what happened in this audition was we learned a choreography and the boys learned one part and the girls learned another part and it was to the same music happening at the same time and i was great and i learned it all and everything was fine until the music started playing and it was my turn and I started doing the girls' choreography instead and just <laughs> completely... <laughs> well, they weren't expecting that. I like that. <laughs> no. So you'd picked up the girls' choreography after learning the guys' choreography at the same, in the same room at the same time then? Absolutely, in the same room at the same time, yeah. So yeah. How, how did they go about it, teaching it to you? Was it that they said, on these four beats, the boys do this and, the, and these four beats, the girls do that? Or had they yeah, split you in the room? Exactly that. Right. Okay. No, it so it was exactly that. It was exactly that. And with it being mixed boy girl, and there was no order to us learning it. So when we learnt the, the the choreography, um, it was on this eight count. The boys are doing this. Okay, boys, great. And then the girls are doing this. So there was bits that we were doing the same thing, but there was bits that we were doing completely different things. The girls' arms might have been down. The boys might have been. So I did the girls choreography and i had that i was in the middle of a turn when i realized that i was doing the girls choreography because the boys all around me were just sort of doing something completely different say they were like hands on hips like looking up to the sky the girls are down in box splits and and jj's there down in box splits and the boys are going what (laughs) i was ready I, I mean, that, I think it was to please don't stop the beat. That's a fantastic talent to be able to do that. <laughs> it's quite impressive, I must be honest. I'd struggle with just learning the guys, let alone the girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because my brain is so used to picking up so much information and sort of sorting through it really, really quickly that at one time I just might not have been paying the attention to the right thing one of the major (laughs) things with autism in general is that we pick up what others miss but we'll miss what others pick up in general life all across the board almost like it's inverted what i was supposed to be doing perfectly yeah it's just that i picked up the wrong thing (laughs) i didn't i didn't get into drama school (laughs) boo boo you don't need them they needed they don't you're fine you got you're fine in life if um, if Hairspray ever need a Tracy Turnblad that knows the choreography already, then I am here, you know. If Lizzie B needs an understudy, JJ's, JJ's ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about why you wrote your play. I essentially wrote it because for the longest time, due to personal reasons and school, 
work, everything, I was not ready to talk to people about the fact that I was an autistic actor. I thought that this might limit me because I've seen throughout my whole life how this can be a limiting thing. So nobody until the age of 25 actually knew that I had autism at all. Um, not one person besides my family knew about it. And I was, it was working great for me. And because I didn't want to disadvantage myself with any sort of stigmas that are wrongly attached to this condition, I just carried on through my life without telling anybody. And then I kind of had this realization that there have been so many moments throughout my career and personal life so far that could have been so much different if I'd have just been honest. Mm and taken that gamble and just put a little bit of faith in people to hope that people are open-minded and diverse and think diversely. And even though I know that's not always the case, I wrote this play so that people could see the difficulties that come with suppressing autism and suppressing conditions to try and fit in with a larger community of people that we're just never going to be able to function in that way. And just to give us a platform where other autistic artists can stand up and act and direct and be a part of something that is a story about acceptance, but also about accepting yourself above all other things. It's about tackling diversity in our industry, in every industry, but it's also about showing the, the effects that that can have on a person if, if they don't feel comfortable enough to talk about something so important and so part of them mm. um i think having spoken to so many people like myself one of the main things that people come to me and say is there's a real stigma of shame and there's a real stigma of inability and i certainly relate to that and those stigmas are wrong um we couldn't be more capable and as we've already talked about it's yeah. just tweaking little bits to make it accessible but i never told anybody and so consequently i was just treated like everybody else throughout my entire life by friends by workplaces everything and that was causing me difficulties that perhaps if i'd have been more honest so it was kind of a win 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 lose lose situation so i really yeah. wanted to talk about it good well i think it's a good way of expressing <clears throat> excuse me i think it's a good way of expressing yourself obviously being in the creative sector it's a very easy thing to be able to say or, or at least recognize if i do this i can help other people in a similar situation and obviously mm -hmm. working in the arts yeah. uh, writing a play or a scene or a monologue or something is, is a really good way of expressing oneself in any yeah. situation so i think it's good and the reason i asked you about that is because obviously this week i know you've been getting in touch with people and uh, organizing table reads and things like that to do with the plate yeah. so my question to you is having gone from even in this context from an actor to casting how are you feeling about m slightly moving and, and in the future moving towards casting people how are you how are you going to be able to separate yourself if you can from writing it to casting it is that going to help you cast it are you looking forward to being the other side of the table, as it were? I am looking forward to it. I'm looking at everyone that, first of all, let me just say a huge thank you to everybody that did put themselves forward for this. This started off as a play that I wrote and wrote about on Twitter that suddenly just exploded into 
hundreds of thousands of people contacting me about it, which was has just been wonderful because I thought in my very small world, this is just me and no one's really going to care about this. And then all of a sudden, so many people came forward and talked to me about it. So in casting it, I wanted to open it up to absolutely everybody. And what I'm trying to do in the table reads is have a mixed cast of both atypical and neurotypical actors and all people of all diversities, just completely opening it up so that we have got a little bit of everything that suits each role. And I have written every role so that they can be played by atypical people or not. And I've written the script in a way that can be easily understood and communicated to everyone. Um, and in the play itself, with the themes that I've involved, such as the suppression stuff that I already spoke to you about, I've made it relatable so that, because I think everyone can relate to suppressing a part of themselves to please others. Um, so really, it's been so amazing to see all of these different actors that have come forward and spoke to me. Some of them have been really open about disabilities that they have. Others have said, can we keep this private? And it's been so amazing to see such people come forward and, and talk to me about things that they're saying, I completely relate to this and I completely understand what you're trying to do. So it's been wonderful being the other side of the table. It's a little bit scary because <laughs> I I want to set out to achieve what I want to achieve, which is um, casting diversely, getting across a message of how broad this spectrum is. Um, and but I also, and I want to give everybody opportunity. So it's been hard. It's been really, really, really hard to be that casting director and look through spotlights and to try and cast something in a way that works for the play, works diversely, but also works for for me and the the vision that I have for it. So it's been great. I was just going to say it's been wonderful, and I'm so grateful and so overwhelmed in the most positive of ways that people want to be involved in this. But I think I've decided that I do not want to be a casting director ever. We we've said so many times on this show, and I I fully believe this because I was one at some point. An actor, <clears throat> excuse me, an actor should be on the casting panel for something at some stage in their career, at least once, because it is eye opening. Casting directors do so much research, mm -hmm. so much hard work that one just doesn't see. Whether it's you know exploring storyboards they've been sent, if it was a commercial, and you know researching different yeah. types of look or different types of being for the, the person it down to seeing 500 people for a role in three days it's unbelievable yeah. what they have to do and it's such an it incredible is. job that i i i can only imagine it's going to make you a stronger actor having done this now as well because it makes everyone a stronger actor i would hope so <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're gonna go oh, no, I maybe, think... maybe i won't send myself for that because that's too much for me to <laughs> Well, I think what like we were talking about earlier is how can this process be made, e how can an audition process be made easier yeah. for everybody? I am now um, living by my own advice that I've been putting forward to the industry. Yeah. So when I'm casting this, I'm now doing what I've asked to do and I'm seeing the practicality of it and the possibilities of it and sort of realizing, you know, oh, okay, like this is a little bit different to the way that I thought it would be because I have never been overwhelmed by 400 cds before but i yeah. have now so it's um, it is crazy and 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 the amount of people that 
get submitted for certain projects there's certain west end shows that maybe would have got 6000 mm-hmm. cvs so well, if you're ever yeah. as an actor listening to this if any if anyone's ever thinking well I'm right for that why didn't I get seen for that don't don't take it personally don't take mm-hmm. it personally if you're one of 6000 people that gets submitted for a leading west end show yeah. let's say and they've only got space to see 50 people because they're only casting a couple of roles don't take it personally it's no it's absolutely just, not and, and and understand that you know that there are an unbelievable amount of people that get submitted for jobs and we're just talking on the spotlight submissions here i'm not talking about direct yeah. submissions or if people look for to fill a project through context they know don't don't take it personally but also understand that the casting director and the casting team behind that are wading through so many cvs and so mm-hmm. many submissions that there's a lot of people looking for the jobs and certainly at the moment there's a lot more people there's a lot more people out of work than there are in work so we're all fighting <laughs> the same of how, like this for me this as i said started off as a sort of like thing i did in lockdown that i really didn't think yeah, was gonna be exactly like, gonna be and i've suddenly just skyrocketed and i keep making the mistake i just keep doing it of putting it on twitter which has been wonderful but every time <laughs> i do that i'm like this will only get six likes there'll only be seven people no, no, and no, i'll no. get a table read together no problem no and that has not happened um but everyone that has sent in stuff to me has been incredible and in casting it um i'm being as diverse as possible i've listened to stories that people have told me and i'm trying my very best at this stage to give my very best to all of them so that is that is where i'm at with it i saw your tweet when it had i think honestly i think it's about 1500 likes so 1500 likes it's got 3195 likes now and it's your tweet is your pin tweet uh at 131 jj and it's no one is awake but i did it I wrote the play. What time was it you tweeted that? You 2.16 a.m., right? Yeah. 2.16 a.m. And you genuinely thought no one would see it. And it's got, it's got 3,195 likes. That, that shows you just how many people care and how many people instantly connected with it. So you should be very proud. And it's uh, we're all, I know we're all looking forward to seeing what happens with it. And um, yeah. And if you want to get that number above 5,000, just go to one th- at 131JJ on Twitter, give it a like, a little share, and then you can send me the impressions and I can go, 900,000 people have looked at it. Hey, let's just make sure, that. That make be, sure every single one of them buys a ticket. That's what you want. You've got to, got to monetize that content there, JJ. <laughs> I think that, um, like, for me, it's so wonderful because there are so many great works out at the moment about atypical people. But first of all, it's a spectrum. So we're all different. So there's a million stories to tell, just like there's a million stories to tell about um, neurotypical people. You know, there's, there's so much that we can tell through this. It doesn't have to be the same story over and over and over again. Um, and we've got stuff on Netflix at the moment. We've got stuff that has been in the National Theatre that's been fantastic. But this is not just one step road of characteristics. This is a spectrum of wonderful people. Um, and I have listened to so many people and collaborated it into the play um, through the various drafts that it's happened to, to kind of show this is a spectrum, um, which really, really, really excites me. And I'm a huge advocate for 
if an autistic person can play an autistic part, let them like give that opportunity to someone who actually because you could be the most phenomenal phenomenal actor in the world but if you if you've got a great actor who actually has autism and they're playing an autistic role you know then it's great to give them that opportunity because what better place to showcase who we are than doing a role that is who we are which is i i just think that that's like a wonderful thing it's a, it's a very simple sentiment isn't it as well like it's it's just so so obvious yeah. <laughs> i think i think well, well yeah you want yeah. well, or rather um, it's it's so obvious of a solution that you wonder why it hasn't been done before or to to a, a further extent than it has yeah. you know one mm-hmm. it's such a simple sentiment and a simple resolution to an obvious problem of mm. how can one represent talent on the spectrum yeah. in roles that are going to showcase them brilliantly and the simple answer is cast people with autism in roles where people live with autism so yeah it's it's so yeah. it's so true and so simple and so obvious that one hopes going forward roles such as that will be played by people who identify with them and i think they're starting to be which is great i did have one per- like one person um one person did say to me, which I found really interesting, though, um, and I did want to bring this to, to a topic of conversation, was someone said to me, but if they cast someone who actually has autism, how much of it's acting and just how much of it's just being you? And I thought that was really interesting because um, the person who said this to me was a, a female. And I said, does that mean that a neurotypical female, does that mean that every female role on every stage screen ever isn't that just being you like you you know what i'm saying like does that mean that all neurotypical people are exactly the same if the argument is well we can't have an um an atypical person playing an atypical person because that's just them being them it's not acting of course it's acting it's always acting Um, you, you use that word and and not to to repurpose a phrase but spectrum it's a spectrum it's a massive ranging spectrum which means that just because one is on said spectrum doesn't mean you are the only type of person on that spectrum you might be Absolutely. able to you might be able to connect a little bit well you are going to be able to connect more with someone else on that spectrum than somebody who doesn't have any experience of that it doesn't mean yes, you are the same absolutely. it doesn't mean you live the same life you have the same experiences you have the same pains you have the same emotions but what it does mean is that you can access a feeling that somebody who isn't won't be able to imagine and it will be a much more natural and much more emotive response when you're watching someone on stage who can connect with a role like that absolutely and it just brings it forward to everyone and and, um how amazing would it be to go to see a production about somebody with autism and see in the program this this actor has autism and you think wow like that's that's um, that's what I want to bring forward is I really want people to be aware of how incredibly capable we are in all industries, not just this one, but how incredibly capable we are in every aspect. Um, it just takes, as we've already said, just that little bit of tweaking here and there just to get the most incredible response. And if one tiny tweak is made by a production company or anything, then you could have something incredible in your hands. Mm, indeed. So <laughs> this 
this story, and this is a really interesting story because I was in the room for this one and I'm not going to say the actor's name because they're going to be a guest on the show in a future episode. So we will talk to them about this. And the special thing about this one is we're actually going to tell you what the audition was for, which we never do, but it is relevant to the story. Right. I can't wait. So the actor writes directly to me now. I think we were in the same Billy Elliot audition. It was at the Erdang Rooms many years ago. We had the singing call and then we were kept for the solidarity dance call before going into the next few tap rounds. You know how heavy the dance is with all the boys hurling abuse at you. So if no one has been for the Billy Elliot audition before, part of the show is when the miners start yelling at the police uh, in the in the, when the police are doing the dance and the line doing the twitching yeah. dance. It's called the twitching dance. With That's part of it. Mm-hmm. You have to wear like a certain type of shoe, quite a heavy boot. So the actor says, you know how heavy the dance is with all the boys hurling abuse at you? Well, I wore my Timberland boots. I don't know if you'll remember, but the soles of the shoes were loose. And I remember they were getting hot with all the friction stamping on the sprung dance floor. If you remember, Christopher, the sole of my boot burnt off. I had to throw my boots in the bin outside and walk home in my socks. (laughs) So, context. In the dance call, you have to do a lot of stamping and you're told to take not dance shoes, basically. It's like a Timberland boot, you know, like a builder's boot because there's lots of heavy stamping. If you put in so much effort on the rubbery sprung dance floor... It's going to cause so much friction. (laughs) This guy, and it was a guy, this guy's shoes burnt off. And when he reminded me of this, it all came flooding back. So we did the dance call and you, I could see said person's face just kind of go, oh my God. Now, I've gone through a pair of shoes in a dance call before and I didn't have, because it was trainers and I didn't have any others on. So I had to walk home. I think I even walked to the the tube without them on. But burning your shoes off because you're giving it the full beans in a Billy Elliot dance call is really impressive. So whilst <laughs> it, it is impressive, whilst it really made me laugh, and I'm so sorry we had to throw your boots away. <laughs> Hats off to That's you for brilliant. giving it the literal wellies. Oh my goodness! Have you ever had a, a item of clothing burn off in an audition? <laughs> No, not that I can remember anyway. <laughs> not that you can remember. Yeah, well, there was that time I lost my pants. But uh... <laughs> How oh. amazing, though. I That's credit to him for going that hard that he managed to burn his own shoes off. Incredible. That's the sort of dedication we like to see. Oh, dear me. Bernie Elliott. There we go. Bernie Elliott. <laughs> that's amazing. So before we wrap up, We like to ask our guests if there was one thing that you could add to the audition process to make it more enjoyable, more fun and more playful for everybody, not just yourself. What would your audition addition be? I think if we were going for just a a nicer vibe, a a happier thing, um, I think it would be great just to tell a joke at the end of your audition or have a joke told to you by the casting panel. How Thank great would you. That be? Thank you. Finally, somebody agrees with me. 
This is how I used to run every single one of my auditions. I had an ulterior motive because it meant if they weren't good with script, I could see them tell a story in a joke. But let's just all tell jokes. Yes. I just think it would be great, especially if you've just done a really serious, perhaps like emotional piece to just snap you back into today's world. This is funny. This is let's be professional but also let's be human and let's have a laugh because there's nothing more oh. inherently human than having a laugh as a and i Preach. just think that would be wonderful yes um, finally someone so, understands my thought process this right you're on great. every week now jedja that's okay <laughs> it's such a good idea to humanize both sides of the table yes you're at work yes you're doing an audition yes there might be a year's contract in the world of what you're auditioning for but your people your humans stress happens and if you just wipe that away you're gonna get a really good meeting out of that person so maybe a joke at the very beginning maybe right at the start maybe right at the start as opposed to at the end maybe that's is that better than doing it at the end because then you've still allowed yourself i don't know we'll have to put it into practice but i love it i love it I love it. I mean, if you're feeling really confident, you could even go over to the piano and give it a full Victoria Wood before you leave. It's entirely up to you, really. Just... Oh, no, I, I, I tell them to leave if that's the case. <laughs> 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 Nothing against Victoria Wood. I love Victoria Wood, but time time is precious. All right. We've only got that's five minutes not to get a job. Don't don't <laughs> don't be doing any Noel Coward numbers just to impress us. Let's just stick to the material. <laughs> Quick joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Me. Time for my audition. OK, there we go. and that was this week's episode of don't call us we'll call you with jj green what an incredibly informative educational and honest conversation that was so thank you so much to jj for coming on talking about his experiences in the casting world as an actor and now obviously having written his play as well i'm going to link his twitter in the episode description and also you'll find it on our socials as well at don't call us pod Make sure you go and say hello to him online. Make sure you follow his progress with his play. It's going to be really cool hearing how it goes and and seeing the cast and seeing how it develops over this next couple of weeks and months. So please do support him. And also make sure if you are in the position to go out of your way to make sure that your castings are as acceptable and open and accessible as they can be. What a wonderful episode this week. I'm very proud that we had JJ on. So thank you very much. If you have listened to us for the first time today, then we've got a whole other raft of episodes for you to make your way through and start doing it now because there's loads to get through. Every single episode is packed full of really, really funny, honest audition stories with some wonderful guests from the world of Broadway, West End, casting, TV and film and comedy as well. So make your way through them. Make sure you give us a tag on Twitter and Instagram at Don't Call Us Pod. And if you are so inclined, a five star review does genuinely help us be found by new people on the Apple Podcast Store and also Spotify have started charts as well so make sure you give us a rating uh, say thank you to the guests as well on Twitter as well if you're enjoying it make sure you tag them as well all the guest informations are in the episode descriptions but for now we will say goodbye to you we'll be back next Friday for another episode of the show and stay safe wash your hands wear your mask and remember don't call us we'll call you bye bye Thank you.